as mentioned, we're in a brief series called Included. Uh, and Included is all about, well, think about it this way. Um, there's two parts to this, last week and this week. And when it comes Christmas time, you have to decide, uh, number one, who is going to be on your Christmas list, right? Who are you going to send cards to? Does anybody still send cards? I, God bless you if you still send Christmas cards. I love to get them, but I can't remember the last time we actually sent some. So uh, we're trying to remedy that this year, but it is a nice thing to get those Christmas cards. So who's going to be on your Christmas card list? Who is going to be on your gift list? You have to decide who you're going to include. And then you have to decide what you're going to give them, what, what's your budget, and who, what are you going to buy for them? Well, you can kind of think about our relationship with our Heavenly Father in the same way. Who is going to be included in his circle, and what are, is he going to give? What does it mean to be included in his circle? And so last week, we talked about the who, who gets to be included in outsiders and outliers. And today we're talking about the what, and, and specifically, what are the benefits of being in Christ? At this time of the year where we're constantly giving gifts and have, thinking about gifts, have you thought about the gift that God has given you? And what does it mean to be in Christ? What are the benefits of being in Christ? And here's the way I would sum up this series. Last week, we talked about how he includes outsiders and outliers. So Jesus includes people who wouldn't normally be included. Aren't we thankful for that? Aren't we thankful for that? Because we are among those who are the outsiders and outliers that God has included. And beyond that, and that's what we'll talk about today, he blesses them beyond what could be expected. Jesus includes people who wouldn't normally be included and blesses them beyond what could be expected. So one way of describing that would be to say that he takes the outsiders and outliers like us and turns them into the ultimate insiders. And that's the title of today's message. I'm thankful to say that Laura Maynard is back with us. She is soldiering on through her various ailments <laughs> and is here with us. And she's one of our scripture readers. So she's going to read the scripture today, which is Ephesians chapter one, verses three to 11. Take it away. Oh, 14. Yeah, well, three through 14. My bad. Good morning, everyone. I, I wanted to start a new thing when you uh, get up to talk yeah. to tell what your name is. I already my introduced you. Yeah. And what do you do at Cornerstone? I teach Bible study. Right. You teach the women's Bible study. <laughs> that was not a trick question. Yeah. Yeah. You're teaching the women's Bible study and you're teaching through. I don't know if everybody heard that. What are you teaching through? Oh, Daniel. The book, book of, of Daniel. Daniel. Yeah. Which is exciting. Yeah. Yes. Very good. Having a great time. Good. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Good morning. Spiritual blessings in Christ. Can you hear me? Okay. <laughs> All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ. Even before he made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. 
God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us who belong to his dear son. He is so rich in kindness and grace that he purchased our freedom with the blood of his son and forgave our sins. He has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and understanding. God has now revealed to us his mysterious plan regarding Christ, a plan to fulfill his own good pleasure. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ, everything in heaven and on earth. Furthermore, because we are united with Christ, we have received an inheritance from God, for he chose us in advance, and he makes everything work out according to his plan. God's purpose was that we Jews who were the first to trust in Christ would bring praise and glory to God. And now you Gentiles have also heard the truth, the good news that God saves you. And when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. Amen. Amen. Very good. Thank you. So today, what we're going to be talking about are the benefits. What are the benefits of being in Christ? And the bottom line for today is this, that Jesus makes us whole. Remember, we talked about how peace is the theme of the fourth week of Advent. And peace is shalom, is arene, is wholeness, wholeness. So that is what we're going to be talking about today. And pray for me because I have been fighting a cold for a long time. And so I'm hoping that my voice will hang out throughout this entire message. So let's see how that goes. Uh, yes, Jesus makes us whole. So the, the next step, the practical application that we're going to give is when you receive a gift, you say yes, you receive it. You, when somebody offers a gift, you receive it. So our next step is to say yes, to receive the gifts that God has given you in Christ. So uh, overarching theme, the peace and wholeness that God provides. Uh, this verse was in that video on peace that we looked at. It's Romans 5, 1, and it says, therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done, D-O-N-E, <laughs> for us, what he has done for us. So, in this opening salvo of this passage, it is emphasizing that all of the benefits that God offers to us are found in Christ Jesus, our Lord. We are a biblically-based church. The point of the Bible is to point people to Jesus. We are all about Jesus no question, no debate. It's all about Jesus. Jesus is God's way of providing all the blessings that he wants to give to us. So God has given, made peace 
with us. God has given us peace with himself because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. So throughout this, I'm going to highlight the different ways that these themes tie into Advent. And so there we have peace, the wholeness that is ours through Christ Jesus. So let's go to Ephesians. That was kind of a summary statement that the Apostle Paul gives in Romans. But the Apostle Paul is also writing to the church at Ephesus when he says, to the praise of the glory. I'm just going to pull out a verse that's in the middle of this because I want you to notice this one phrase, to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved, accepted in the beloved. Now, what does that mean? Just like we were saying that all the benefits that God provides to us, he does by including us in his beloved son. That's what it's talking about here. When it says that he has made his grace available, that we praise, bring glory to him by receiving that grace. How do we get into God's favor? We are accepted in the beloved, his beloved son. And in fact, New Living Translation makes this more explicit when it says it like this. So we praise God for the glorious grace he has poured out on us. This is the same verse, just a different translation, who belong to his dear son. Just making explicit what is being said there. So it's all about Jesus. Does everybody get this? It's all about who? It's all about Jesus. How do you get in on what God wants to provide for you in Jesus. Very good. Okay. You passed the test. So we can move on from that. Jesus is the one who makes us whole. He brings us peace with God. And my favorite way of talking about what is wrong with the world is that it is broken. When you read the first couple of chapters of Genesis, you see that God has provided and created this wonderful world. And then almost immediately things go wrong and we are broken on the inside and we live in a broken world. And what God is doing through Jesus is restoring and correcting and fixing that brokenness. He's taking the pieces and making us whole. So in the beginning, it starts out with a blessing. Now, very often in the letters of Paul, you see a salutation where he says who's writing and to whom he's writing. Then there's a then there's a thanksgiving section, and then he gets to the body of the letter. The book of Ephesians is a little bit different because there is a salutation, there is a thanksgiving section, but before and in between those two sections, before the thanksgiving and in between the salutation and the thanksgiving, there is a blessing section or a eulogy. And it says, the the traditional formula is, blessed be the God, creator uh, of heaven and earth. And the Apostle Paul kind of riffs on that and and emphasizes something a little bit different when he says, I already had it up there, all praise or blessed be God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us. Now, In the traditional formulation of a blessing, it's saying, blessed is God. Well, who is this God? Well, he's the creator of heaven and earth. That is the the, the foundational way that we relate and we figure out who we're talking about. 
And the apostle Paul riffs on that and he, he adjusts that a little bit. He says, blessed be God. Who is this God that we are talking about? Yes, he is the creator, but he, he orients us by saying that he is the father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just once again, emphasizing that Jesus is so central. He relates who God is, that he is the father of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he has blessed us. God is blessed and he has blessed us. What has he blessed us with? Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ, literally in Christ. So there are tangible blessings that we receive. You know, we pray, give us this day our daily bread. But what the, what the Apostle Paul is focusing on here are those intangible, invisible blessings that are ours because we belong to Jesus. So how does God deliver these blessings? In Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. And how does he include us in those blessings? He unites us or brings us into fellowship with, into, uh, into relationship with himself through Jesus Christ. He unites us with Christ. So once again, emphasizing in that introductory that Jesus is the one that this is all about. He's the one that makes us whole. And there are three things that he does in this passage. The first thing that he does is that he adopts us into his family. He adopts us into his family. There is a certain sense of identity, a certain sense of belonging that you can get only from being a part of your family and knowing who your family is. And so what he's saying here is that by bringing us in Christ, who is God's son, he brings us into his family as sons and daughters. Talks about this in chapter one, verse five. God decided in advance to adopt us into his family. So he wants to bring us back into the circle of his love. But how is he going to do this? By bringing us to himself through Christ Jesus, through Christ Jesus. Now, depending on your translation, it might talk about predestined or decided beforehand. And sometimes that can get people a little bit tripped up. I think that, you know, there is, there is an element of that, but I think a simple way to understand that is one that I learned when I was in school uh, to think about, let's say that this, um, this Bible represents Jesus and God has decided that the way that he's going to include people uh, in his family is he's going to have a son. So the son is the Bible. The Bible is the son. So if you are this book, then you are included in God's family because this is the son of God. So what he does is he takes us and he sticks us in Christ. He makes us a part of Christ, binds us together with him so that everywhere this Bible goes, that piece of paper goes. Every, uh, the, it becomes an integral part of it. And when you are included in Christ, you become an integral part of God's family because you are in God's son. And God decided from the foundation of the world that that's how he was going to include people in his family was by including them in his son. So that's what it's describing here. God decided in advance, this was his plan all along, to adopt us into his family. How? By bringing us to himself 
through Christ Jesus. Now, the benefit of this is not only uh, that sense of belonging and identifying with God through Jesus Christ, but also in order to be included in God's family, in order to be included in Christ, because God is holy, because God, because Christ is both fully human and fully divine, and therefore 100% holy as well, God has to do something with and in us as well. And that's what he starts with. We're actually going to back up one verse where it says, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Now, this passage, that passage that, that Laura just read is actually one sentence in Greek. It's a very long, kind of seemingly run-on sentence. So it's kind of hard to pick it out and organize it because it's this huge paragraph that is only one sentence. But the organizing theme is this phrase, in Christ or in him. Where you see that, you can see the main thoughts because he's saying, blessed is God God has blessed us by including us in Christ. God is the father of Jesus Christ. And then it lists in him, in him, in him, and lists these benefits. So this is the first in him. God loved us and chose us in him, in Christ, to be holy and without fault in his eyes. Holiness has the idea of something that is different, set apart, separate. What sets God apart is his pure holiness, his righteousness. There is no evil, no sin in him. And so to be included in his family, he has to do something with our sin. And so through Christ, he made a way for us to be declared holy as well. And without fault, literally blameless. This is the same word that we ran across in the book of Titus where it was saying the elders need to be blameless. It's the same word that is used in the Old Testament of the offerings that were brought to the temple. They have to be faultless without blemish. And what he's saying here is you're adopted into God's family, but in order for that to happen, there has to be something that happens with you and you have to be made holy, you have to be made without fault in his eyes, and that's what God did with us through Christ. <clears throat> so that's the first blessing, that we are adopted into his family, which means that he has taken care of our sin problem, declared us to be holy and without fault. We are included, if you want to follow along with the themes of Advent, we are included in his love. And I love this summary statement that happens right after that, where it says, this is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Sometimes we think about, oh, you know, God had to do this because he's God, and he had to make a way for us to... No, this was his design and desire. He wanted to include you in his family. And just like a couple of weeks ago, we talked about you need to do whatever it takes to not be grieving the Holy Spirit. God did whatever it took to overcome your sin problem and include you in his family. 
up into and including offering his son, the blood of his son in exchange for you. So that's what God did in order to make us whole. God makes us whole through Jesus. Jesus is the one who makes us whole. He adopts us into his family. Included in that is the idea of being holy and blameless. And then he explicitly talks about how Jesus makes us whole by forgiving our past, by forgiving our past. Very often when we think about what God wants to do with us or what we might want to accomplish or the things that we have planned and we look and we are held back by our past and we say, well, I'm not sure if somebody with my track record, with my history, with doing the things that I have done is able to do the things that God is calling me to do. But what he does in Christ is he forgives us of our past. This is the second in him. It's found in verse seven. I'm using uh, for several of these verses, the Christian standard Bible, because that's a more literal translation. So it actually puts the in him up there. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace. Redemption is the idea of buying back, that something needs to be paid for, and it is paid for and then put to use. It's paralleled with the idea of forgiveness. What does forgiveness say? I'm not holding my, your sin against you anymore. I'm not holding it over you. That's what has happened. And the idea of grace is a gift. Uh, We're talking about gifts this time of the year. Grace is often translated as gift, that he does all of this, the redemption, purchasing your life, forgiveness, forgiving your past. He does that as a gift. When you have a broken relationship and there is unforgiveness, when there is strife in a relationship and then you come together and there's the asking for and receiving of forgiveness, the rest, the the relationship is restored. Isn't that nice? Doesn't that feel good? I think that ties in very well with the theme of joy in Advent, that to think about the fact that your past is not being held over you and held against you, that God can wipe away your guilty past, your guilty conscience, and write a new ending to your story. That should bring us joy. Thirdly, Jesus makes us whole by ensuring our future, by ensuring our future. Now, this is, this is kind of interesting. This, I didn't understand this for a long time, but the third in him is in verse 11. It says, in him, we have also received an inheritance. Uh, <clears throat> this is kind of a hard thing for me to understand at first, because you know, when we think about an inheritance, that's something you get when you die, when somebody else dies. <laughs> um, and so you have to kind of wait for it. What does it mean that God has given us an inheritance? And then I uh, began to realize that very often the word inheritance in the scripture can also be interchangeable with a possession. The, the, the thought is that, that your, the main body of your possessions is owned by your family 
And then when the father of the household dies, then it passes to the son and it becomes your possession. So it's something that you are you own, that you're going to own or that you own currently, but you might have to wait for it for a little while. So that ties in to this idea of hope. In the first week of Advent, we talked about how hope is a hope that is certain. It's something that you can count on. And what he's saying here, in him, you have the, that hope of an inheritance. He's saying that you have been given in Christ something that ensures your future. You don't have to worry about it anymore. So there are benefits that we receive in the here and now, but there are more benefits. The fullness of benefits come in the end where we not only are forgiven of our sins, not only cleansed of our sins, but we are are completely purged of our sins. We no longer experience sin anymore when we are stand before Christ, either when he returns or when we stand before him at our death. So that's the idea is that you get a little taste of the forgiveness. You get included in God's family, but there's more to come. There's stuff to look forward to. And that's paralleled. This is not a separate in him, but I think it's an, a parallel in him because of what it's talking about. In him, you are also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance he promised. It's uh, another translation puts it as the down payment. So the promise is complete forgiveness. The promise is complete restoration. The promise is an eternity in a place called heaven with God, but you don't get all of that right away. You get a foretaste and you get a down payment. And how is that down payment paid? In the person of God's Holy Spirit. And that's how you know that God is going to fulfill all his promises, that the things that he starts in you, he will carry through to completion because he's already made the down payment in the person of the Holy Spirit. So it says, in him, you are also sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. You've received that down payment. And when does that happen? When you heard the word of truth. And this is important because sometimes people get a little bit confused about this. When does this happen? When do you receive the Holy Spirit? When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and when you believed. When you become a believer, you get God's Holy Spirit, the down payment, the one who ensures your future. This is encouraging because very often along the way, we're going to trip up. We're going to fall down. We're going to not live up to our own expectations. And we're going to wonder, has God given up on me? Has, uh, have I blown it too big? And the answer is that what God has begun with you, he will carry on to completion. How do you know this? Because if you have the, 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 the testimony, the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life, then that is the guarantee. That's the down payment that he's going to take you the whole way. He's not going to give you his Holy Spirit and then take it back, give up, pull away. So today we've been talking about the benefits. Jesus is the one who makes us whole. He does this 
by including us and adopting us into his family, by forgiving us of our past, by ensuring our future. So let's talk about receiving the gifts that God has given us. For some of you, and maybe watching, listening online, you are hearing this for the first time and not knowing that it's possible to be adopted into God's family, not based on your own performance, but on what Christ has done for you. And so every week I'm going to encourage you to say yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord, the Savior, the one who forgives you uh, of your sins because of what he did on the cross, your Lord, he's the boss. He gets to call the shots. He's going to lead and guide your life. Now, if you do a check-in, if you go to cornerstonenh.org slash here, that first checkbox is saying yes to Jesus as Savior and Lord for the first time. Mark that. If you're here and you're using a card, just double circle that say yes, and that'll tell us that you're doing that for the first time. Because we want to encourage you, we want to celebrate it with you, and we want to resource you for your new life in Jesus. Another actionable step that you can take, we didn't highlight this, but I'm going to come back around to it, to trust that in Jesus, God has given you the wisdom and understanding you seek, the wisdom and understanding you seek. In between there, when it's talking about uh, how God is using Jesus as his plan to accomplish his will, it says he has showered his kindness, God has showered his kindness on us, along with all wisdom and and understanding. Now, in particular, it's talking about his plan. How is he going to restore? How is he going to make the world whole again? And it says that God has now revealed this to us. God has now revealed to us his mysterious will regarding Christ, which is to fulfill his own good plan. Now, a couple of things about this. It's something that is revealed. And it's uh, sometimes the Apostle Paul uses the word mystery or mysterious to talk about the gospel. He's not saying it's like ooh or hidden or anything like that. What he's saying is that it's something that was formerly hidden and not understood that now God has revealed. So whenever you see the Apostle Paul talking about the gospel as a mystery, he's not saying that God is trying to play games or do smoke and mirrors. He's saying that this is something that we didn't understand before. It was mysterious. It was hidden from us. But now it has been revealed. Now it has been made aware. And that is that God's plan was to restore the world, to fix what is broken in the world, to make us and our world whole through Christ Jesus. He says it explicitly in verse 10. And this is the plan. At the right time, he will bring everything together under the authority of Christ. Everything in heaven and on earth is to be included in him. And so that's why I'll again remind you another actionable step, we talked about this last week, is to include others you normally wouldn't include. Jesus was always including. He'd always be including people who were the outsiders and outliers. And we as his followers will be doing the same. And he blesses them abundantly beyond. He's made known to us his plan for the ages and how he is going to make things right and put us whole. He will give you the wisdom and understanding that you are seeking and that you need for every step along the way. His plan 
is to include outsiders and outliers and make them the ultimate insiders to make peace with God and peace with one another. I'll end with this. This is from a commentary that I read, uh, and I just love the way that he put it, and it ties together this idea of God's plan, his way of including us, and his way of making peace. And it picks up on this idea that it was a mystery, that it was formerly hidden, but now has been made aware. This is what it says. What for Paul was the mystery of the will of God? It was that the gospel was open to the Gentiles too, the ultimate outsiders. In Jesus, God has revealed that his love and care, his grace and mercy are meant not only for the Jews, but for all the world. Now Paul, in one sentence, drops his great thought. Up till now, men had been living in a divided world. There is division between beasts and men. There was division between the Jew and Gentile, the Greek and the barbarian. All over the world, there was strife and tension. Jesus came into the world to wipe out the divisions. That, for Paul, was the secret of God. It was God's purpose that all the many different strands and all the warring elements in this world should be gathered into one in Jesus Christ, who is the Prince of Peace. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we can very much relate to that. The different strands, the tribes, the warring elements in our world. And Lord, we thank you that you sent into that world a prince of peace, a prince of shalom, the one who can take the broken pieces and make us whole again. Lord, I pray that you would do that in our individual lives, the pieces and parts of our lives that are broken, that you would make us whole. And I pray, Lord, that you would make us instruments of your peace, that we might look at the outsider and outlier and see ourselves and see the grace of God that included us. And may we include others as you have included us. Lord, I pray that you would show each of us what we need to do with what we've heard today and give us the courage and strength to respond in obedience. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.